0: Based on Cox analysis of OOKLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. Oh, oh, oh. So
2: what, are you and John Terry good now? No,
3: no. Ramsoonis made a statement about putting medals on the table. Boy, listen, has got a World Cup medal winner's medal. Like, if I was Paul Pogba, I'd said the same thing. But I would have said it from a disrespectful p- standpoint because I've been saying, You've been dissing me all this time, I've not kicked the ball. Why are you talking about me for? Oh. Emil, man, even with his big self. Just fell on. <laughs> First of all, it's the best partnership ever in Premier League history, <laughs> trust me. Rasha could be like, I'd be the best 100% because he's just got mad talent. If I was a fan going to watch a game, I'd pay to watch Gerrard. If I was a manager, I'd probably pick Lampard.
4: Hello listeners and welcome back to yet again another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. As ever, I'm your host Budge. Joined by my fellow South Londoners, my co conspirators, <laughs> How
5: are we doing, boys? I'm good, Budge, man. I'm excited for this one. Obviously, growing up in Peckham, SC15, Friary Road, I'm sure Rio knows it. This is like very special for me. And obviously, I went to the same primary school as Rio, and all the teachers in class used to say, if you want to be the next Rio Ferdinand, you have to listen in class. So, it's an absolute privilege to have you on the podcast, bro. Thanks for having me, man.
3: Thanks. It's been a long time. We've been chatting over this for a while now, haven't we? So...
2: Yeah, yeah, Rio, we've been speaking a lot And this is emotional, you know Back in the day, I used to play At Dalit Chamler under Gav in the FA Youth Cup And I remember one day There was a game against Enfield And you actually came down to the game I think we were drawing 1-1 at <laughs> half time yeah, yeah. Gav gave a team talk Read out the riot act then you came in and you are like, boys, come on, man <laughs> You're better than that, man It's some scouts watching <laughs> And obviously we left the room And we were sort of like nudging each other Saying, wow Rio Ferdinand came into the dressing room, we ended up pamming the team like 4-1. So that just shows like, the influence that you've had on our generation.
4: So big up and love for coming on. Wow, nice, nice, nice. Fantastic good. stuff, man. Right, so as is customary on our platform, of course, we always have to uh, give our special guest uh, an introduction. So uh, the, the guy that we've got on, uh, uh, on the podcast today is a, a full-time dad and a retired ballet dancer who had a, an unblemished boxing career with zero losses, zero <laughs> wins, and zero fights. He's a, a fitness influencer who keeps busy uploading videos of his uh, home workouts with his missus on Instagram and YouTube. I'm also told um, he uh, kicked the ball about uh, a, f- a few different parts of the <laughs> uh, of his life, apparently. <laughs> anyway, no, seriously, we, we welcome a, a, a gentleman who was... Capped 81 times for England and was part of uh, three World Cup squads. He's one of the most decorated uh, English footballers of all time, uh, having won 14 trophies uh, with Manchester United, which included six Premier League titles and a Champions League, too. He's widely regarded as one of the best centre halfs to ever play in the Premier League due to his elegance, poise, and. One of. Power. One of. One of the best. <laughs> the, the best, best man. The <laughs> best. <Come on.
2: laughs>
4: He's of course praised for his ability to read the game and his strong leadership qualities. A real force to be reckoned with uh, on the pitch and of course in the tunnel. And so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome Rio Ferdinand to the platform. Big up, big up, big up, big
3: up, Some intro, that's Some big intro. <laughs>
4: Right, so we're raring to go. Honestly, I think we uh, we almost broke our uh, Twitter uh, account when we uh, posted yesterday that we were going to be uh, chatting with you. And we asked a load of listeners to um, to share their, their, their questions with us. And of course, we were inundated with so many of them. And so before we kick things off, we just want to let all of the listeners and viewers know, we're going to try and incorporate as many of your questions as possible into the podcast. As you can imagine, we've been hit up with so many we're not going to be able to cover all of them but we're going to try and do our best of course we value you guys you guys have helped us along our journey you know our short journey up until this date, um and, and so you know we're, we're going to do our best to to, to fire those questions over to, to rio so we're going to kick things off now obviously rio as, as we've already um already uh, mentioned you were born and bred southeast london uh grew up in peckham And we've uh, recently uh, done an interview with Mark Bright. He's obviously an ambassador down at uh, Palace. And he was speaking about the work that they're doing in terms of building um, the academy base and and that kind of thing, right? And he spoke about the fact that I think it was 11 or 12% of the players in the Premier League come from the southeast um, London area, uh, catchment area. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the first question I want to ask you is, what, what is it about South London Um, why is it that such a large percentage of of players that are playing right at the top uh, uh, um, level now are coming from South East London?
3: Yeah, it's mad, because I was just starting to film a documentary about this, you know that, it's funny you talk about that straight away, the first question, I was just filming about a documentary about, it's like a six-mile radius even, of people, that players that you've got like um, Gomez, Tammy Abraham, Hudson-Odoi, um, Sessegnon um, well, listen there's enough, There's loads of them Sancho um, that all come through that like, all played in the Premier League and, you, and for England as well and you're thinking wow how can it just be like this hotbed why who, who started it why has, has this come about it's just I don't know because listen you've got South London you've got East London North London West London there's pockets in each of them different areas that are very similar to, to South London that like, You can go Peckham You can go Harlesden, You can go Hackney like, it's, it's, These areas They're different names But they're very much similar In a lot of ways And They all produce good players Like You've got Sterling From like I think it's from like West London sides, Isn't he Sterling Yeah like Wembley uh, Yeah you've got, different, you've got Wembley in it So you've got players From different areas You just think like Wow this is It is a madness That London's producing So many players And so much talent At the moment And it's just I don't know if you can put your finger on one thing and say this is it. This is the reason, but there's been examples like when I was coming up, Ian Wright was my a guy who I could associate with and think, oh, um, another person, a black person, come from a similar background to me. That's an inspiration. Like, so I might be that for some other kids, my brother, other players, etc. Might be that for the next generation coming through now. Maybe you don't know, but. I think the more the, the young players see people from similar backgrounds, the more that they can feel, right, this is touchable, I can do this.
2: Yeah, so Rio, as you mentioned, South London's a hotbed of talent. You've got your mate Gavin Rose, the manager of Dalit Chamler. Mm-hmm. We've seen the likes of the Cowley brothers get opportunities to go to Braintree, Lincoln, Huddersfield now. Why don't you think Gavin's been given the opportunities? Because he's producing talent. Ethan Pinnock, he's at Brentford. George Elacobi. He played in the Premier League for Wolves. And you've got some others. So why don't you think Gav's being noticed
3: as well? Well, I don't know, man. I always ask this question. And I just think like... I, I, to be honest with you, I think Gavin's had a couple of people ask him to do certain jobs. But then it, the, the jobs haven't been as probably like satisfying for him as what he does now. And... Um, I do think Gavin deserves opportunity. I think there's the, the amount of players that Gavin gets and brings back into football, but also changes their life in terms of the way they look at things and their perspective of life, is a huge thing that I think will be a massive asset. Not just him, him and Cads. Yeah, they like there. will be a massive asset for a club. If I was Palace, West Ham, Charlton, I would take them now. I would. If I was in them clubs, I'd take them because there ain't no. There, there won't be many people in them football clubs that can talk to the, to them kids on the level that Gavin and Cads can get down at. So, and engage and keep them kids motivated in that way. And like, I'm sure every one of them clubs will have stories of of young players who have had different upbringings to most people, very challenging uh, at home, lifestyle at home, that have slipped through the net. And I don't think, I think with Gavin and and someone like Cads and uh, the other guys they've got working with them, them, them kids wouldn't be allowed to slip through the net like that so easily there will be another opportunity for them kids based on what Gavin and Cads, their experience and what their backgrounds are and how they can touch these kids differently.
5: Ria, I want you to, you know, take us back to, you know, Peckham. Obviously, mm-hmm. I remember their venture playground and Leighton Square. Obviously, my brother used to kickball Vanton. um Obviously, Daniel Morris, all those guys. So just take yeah, us we'll back to those days. Yeah. Yeah, how, how those days. All of them. How were those days?
3: Yeah, listen, whenever, I always say this, whenever anyone talks to me about my childhood and things, and a lot of people, they, they first will talk about it, like, especially when you do mainstream media, oh, it's always a negative connotation, like, the, it was very hard. I must have been very hard for you back then. But listen, when anyone mentions my child, I just start smiling, because it was the happy times. You're carefree, you're around all your friends. I've got a WhatsApp group of about 10, eight, eight, ten of us, of my best friends who I grew up with when I was young, mm-hmm. from, from, the, from the estate. And we're always saying in there and that if you look at the mix of of um, backgrounds in that in that group, you've got an Irish boy, a Turkish boy, a Nigerian boy, Caribbean guys. Um, so like it's such a mix of people. We was lucky to be in a melting pot like that. So I was happy, man. I had great times. All my friends are into football, um, getting jokes. If you if if you if you if you couldn't take banter. Then you couldn't be around. Like, yeah. <laughs> that was a big part of it. If you, you, even the younger ones, Anton's generation, all them boys, Beckles, Danny Morris, all of them, Watsi, all of them, if they, they, they had to be brought up to that, take manner, they had to get slapped with manner all the time.
4: <laughs> fair, fair, point. All right. So we're go- we're going to move on now, um, and obviously, you know, we started mentioning it in in, in the intro. We spoke about. Predominantly your um, your your time at uh, um, United, where you know you won so many different trophies and, and 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 you know played with some very very top players. I guess what I wanted to ask you um, to start off with Rio was what your relationship was um, was like with with Sir Alex, um, and if you could if you could choose between the two of them, who would you say was a more scary figure, uh, Sir Alex or, or Roy Keane? Oh,
3: Sir Alex, easy. So Roy King ain't picking a team he don't, it, Roy King don't mean I can get in a team on them yeah. so, so Alex had an awe about him listen Roy King was a great player a great captain demanded off a lot of people made sure the standards were always high um, and he, I, was, I, was, I really liked being around him because he, 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 to see how different people different captains work. do you know what I mean David Beckham was captain of England very very different from someone like Roy King yeah. I mean, David Beckham didn't speak, didn't say a word really in terms of trying to motivate people or anything like that. He was more go out there and perform and see the way I perform and follow that, which is one way of leading. Whereas Roy Keane was very vocal. If you saw if something was wrong, you would be on people quick. Um, but Sir Alex was just like, he becomes like a father figure because he, he, he takes a lot of... Um, he, he, he looks into the details. You know what I mean? It's like it's like you guys. You guys might have a workforce. Say, for instance, one day you get to a workforce of 30, 40 people, and the the guy who's at the top who's managing it all, he knows about all of your family. He knows when your uncle's ill, when your auntie's ill, sends them flowers and stuff like that. Then little little touches there means right. I'm coming to work today, even when I've got a bad back or I'm a little bit ill. I'm gonna the manager. I need to come to work because the way he cares about us them little things and that goes into football and that translates into running through brick walls that, that old saying for a manager is that he, them little details that he'd done I don't know if it was he knew that was why he was doing it or just innate. You know, it was just a part of him I don't know but he was just a phenomenal manager in being able to push people's buttons and he would approach different people differently do you know what I mean he wouldn't be like treat like a blanket yeah, one, yeah. one rule fixes for everybody he was like I've got to talk to Nani like this Wayne Rooney i got to talk to like that Right, talked Everyone was different man So he was, he was Ahead of his time in terms of his man management He was just phenomenal the way he dealt with us It was brilliant Yeah
2: so Rio um, Obviously Salix Ferguson built a dynasty at Manchester United mm. He's known as a manager That kept freshening up Every three or four years To make sure to keep that winning mentality intact So which player that left the club Were you surprised that raw Salix just sold him I can't believe it
3: Probably Ruud van Nistelrooy. I think Ruud when he because when I was there he let Beckham go, um, Veron, van Nistelrooy, Diego Forlan. Um, like Diego went on to win the European Golden Boot man, like he went on to big and really done done really well. But he had like Rooney, um, soul van Nistelrooy in front of him, and it was obviously it was a hard thing for him to have to sit there and wait. But I think. Seeing Rude go because when I signed, Rude was the top man. He was like, he come and his goal record's phenomenal. He's breaking records like eight or nine consecutive games in the Premier League, just like chances falling, bang, goal, ruthless. So <laughs> when he went, it was kind of a, like, wow, okay, what's the manager got in plan now? What's he, what's he got in store for us now? But I think the manager from that point was building the team around like myself, um, Rooney, Ronaldo um so uh, and a few other players so i just think that he just saw beyond rude vanisterra as much as he was a great goal scorer i think f- to allow R- R- ronaldo and Looney to breathe a bit more and to express himself a bit more freely without the pressure of someone like rude there because he was such a big figure in the dressing room he needed to let him go and it was a brave call but one that paid off in the end because we started dominating for for a few years but I think that one of the big catalysts for Rude leaving was the League Cup final. Where he was like, um, he he didn't start the game, the League Cup final. But the manager, I think, he said the manager promised that he was going to come on, and then mm-hmm. he, he didn't come on, and Rude went nuts. He was going crazy on the bench, like screaming, like swearing at the manager and stuff. And I think wow. the, day, the manager was just like, you know what, Ooh, that's fine. <laughs>
2: yeah.
5: Rio, this is almost like a, I would say, a two-part question. Um, a, how was it playing with Cristiano Ronaldo? And um, B, there's been a player that you've spoken on record about, you know, very highly, um, Ravel Morrison. You said that he's, you know, one of the most talented players you've ever seen come through the Man United Academy. Mm. How did his talent stack up to Cristiano Ronaldo's raw talent? And why is he, you know, like... Not fulfilled his potential, and is it true that you offered him the opportunity whilst you were at Man United to actually live with you, so you can keep him on the straight and narrow? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I it's just the club to come to my heart and that. But to be fair, Sir Alex Ferguson told me to just he wanted me to step away from doing stuff with Ravel because he thought the club could deal with the situation. But this goes back to my point about someone like Gavin. If Gavin was at Man United then, I don't think Ravel Morrison sits through the net. I think Ravel Morrison becomes a hundred million pound player. But there's not someone like that. There wasn't someone like that I may mean, not have And most of the clubs around, I don't see people like that at the clubs. People that are from the streets, from the estates, from the background, are similar to these young players. So they can talk to them. Like, I know Ravel was sitting there chatting to someone that was sent to look after him. He was, he was, like, walking this guy through the park, all this, just, just chatting nonsense to this guy, just saying what he wanted to hear, and then going and doing what he was going to do. So because he could get away with it. where Gavin or someone like that, that type of person would, would see through that stuff straight away and pull the, the boy up straight away and go, listen, calm yourself down. This is how you need to move and that's it. So it's very, um, but it's a, it's a tricky situation because sometimes some of these kids' home lives are, are very different to, to what we all know. Um, yeah, we're all from an estate or whatever, but when you close someone's doors, you don't know what goes on in them in, 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 behind that door. So you have to tread carefully and you need experience and understanding of those situations to deal with it properly, to get the best out of that individual. So Ravel's talent, I've always said it, I ain't seen a kid at that age of 14 years old, 13, 14, 15 years old like that in my life. Like, <laughs> different. Like, and if you see some of the videos that he even puts up now, he sent me a couple of videos and the guy, his manager looks after him, sent me a couple of videos from training at, at Sheffield United last season. What he was doing to man was nasty. Still, he was putting people to sleep. Yeah, like he was doing some breaking uh, ankles. Like, I would kind of commentate on it, like because it's just it was just he. The game comes so easy to him; it's effortless. Like, but this is what I talk to my kids about as well. And my little two boys want to be footballers, but I say to them, it don't matter about ability; to get you so far. It's your attitude and your mentality will take you to the top and make you stay there. Because ability can get you there. The bit will get you to the to a club and you might get in the first team and everything, but if you ain't got the right mentality, you ain't staying there. there. there'll be other hungry kids coming through who are more um attention to detail, they apply themselves more, they work harder, they haven't got any distractions, they don't allow distractions and they'll take your place, man, because it's games for dog eat dog world. So but Rivel, man, I don't know, it's just it hasn't gone probably the way that his ability suggested it should have gone. Um but I do feel that the press really didn't help this kid. The press were really kind of, they played a part in tarnishing his name more than they should been. it should have been. Yes, he had some difficulties, but you don't just, kids like that need help. They don't need to be vilified or or, or put down in the media the way they had. And, and he, he, I think he unwarrantedly got a bad name at times because when you see people that meet him, they go, the first thing they say, oh my God, he's... He's pleasant, isn't he? He's a nice kid. You're like, what? I don't... That's the media. The media have made you get a perception straight away before you met him. So, but Ronaldo, back to your question about Ronaldo, like, talent-wise, he, you knew he had it, but it was, again, it, the mentality was something that just I thought was different to all these other kids. It was just elite thinking, elite programming, that you just think, whoa, this kid ain't satisfied with scoring a last minute winner away at Fulham and then he wants to do, go doing that in the Champions League he wants to do that for for, for, um, for Portugal in, in national he, he just was the bar was always just being raised and raised and raised and like even now when I checked him on the phone I sit there and he's I couldn't even tell you some of the stuff that he moans about and I'm thinking wow, you cracked you've you conquered the game like you, you've clocked it like but you're still worried about what people are saying or you're worried about like you're not getting the, the, the adulation or the that you think you should be getting, and that's but that's again, that's the key to what drives people like this. They're different, they're made different to all of us.
2: Yeah, I fully agree with you. Just to hark back to Ravel Morrison, um, obviously he's had spells at Lazio, he's gone to Mexico, he's now at Sheffield United, mm. and I know your team kind of managed Chris Wilder. So, what's the murmuring about why he isn't getting minutes at Sheffield United?
3: I just think it's been unfortunate for him. Yeah, my management team, New Era, they look after Chris Wilder. Um, And I did speak to Chris about Ravel before he went there with with Ravel's management as well. and just said, like, listen, the kid, you know my thoughts on the boy. But the problem I think that Ravel had probably there is that Sheffield United done so well. And sometimes it's difficult to get into a team when they've got a formula that's working. Um, If I'm sitting there as a manager, why am I going to change that? Mm-hmm. So it's just it was just I think timing was probably wrong in the end. I don't think Chris Wilder probably expected his team to do as well as they did from the start. Um, but saying that, if I was Ravel, I'd still be sitting there saying, "Well, at least put me on the sub, put me on the bench." I mean, if I was Ravel. that's how I'd be thinking as well. So it's a it's a hard one to kind of. But I think both both both. Um, camps would have their, their, their good points of view to put forward as to why um, Ravel hasn't been playing. And Ravel would say, this is the reasons I should have been playing. Because I think you look at some of the clips in training, he's destroying some of the guys <laughs> in Fair <laughs>
4: point. Um, so Ria, I, I wanted to ask you a, a question about, you know, some of the, uh, the titles that you've won. And I imagine it, it will probably be a difficult one because every one of those titles that you won will have been important to you for a different reason.
3: I should have had eight, not six.
4: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Putting it out there. Um, if you could single out one of those trophies in particular as your standout one, the one that you're most proud of, which one would it be and why? The
3: Premier League ones, yeah. Yeah. Um... It's different. I can't answer that in one way. The first one was like, you know, like you just don't think you're ever gonna to get to the top of the mountain. You don't mm. think you're ever gonna get there. I was at West Ham, never gonna win the league, West Ham, as much as I loved it there. Leeds. Bit, you got closer but then we just fell up we tailed off at the end. Then come to May United and just think, please, like after all the success they've had before, ninety nine, etc. They hadn't won the league for two years. Please let me come in and help. Please, like, are they gonna get it back? And I went there won it the first year, but even then it, I, it, was the, it was a great feeling. But when I reflected, like in the summer after that, I was sitting there thinking, I didn't feel like this is, I weren't, I weren't a really important member of this team. Like if I didn't play the team, I don't know if they'd have missed me so much. Mm. I want to win this when I know that if I don't play, the team is sitting there going, ain't the same no more. So that's like, the, so then whether we won it free back to back three times, that's when I felt, yeah, I felt at the top of my powers. I knew that like, if I didn't play the team, it would miss me. I was an integral member of that team, influential in that team, and it was probably the best satisfying feeling. And then, others, then then, you move on to Sir Alex Ferguson's last one, to win that of a squad that people were saying shouldn't have won it and weren't good enough and didn't have good enough great players. To win it like that and to shut people up with that squad was another different type of satisfaction. So it's different ways, really.
5: Mm. Rio, Um. obviously we'll come back to a bit more about your playing career at the end with the listener questions but I wanted to move on a bit and the question I want to ask you is were there in any incidents in your career where you now look back on and you think, you know what I should have spoken out there for example, we had the watershed moment with um, Raheem Sterling where he hit out on his Instagram about the way players Black players should I say are represented in the media, were there any incidents in your career where you feel I should have, I should have put a message out
3: mm, it's different it's difficult. Um, the Luis Suarez and Patrice Everett incident um, I think the not shaking his hand was a big step. was a big thing because Patrice come to me that morning and said to me, Rio, what should I do I said Listen, you are going to have everyone watching you be the bigger man and shake his hand. Deal with it after and go through the right channels. And Patrice, like a, a, a man, went to shake the, shake the guy's hand and he, he didn't shake his hand. And then he went to shake my hand. And I thought, I ain't shaking your hand. You disrespecting my friend. I ain't doing that. So I moved my hand. And, but that didn't really get attraction. traction I think it should have got. And the, the people didn't speak about the reasons why. Maybe we maybe should have spoke more. And the John Terry and my brother situation, if I could rewind back the clock now, I would have spoke out from the day one and I said to my brother, speak now and say it because we were advised by, you have to remember there's lawyers in the background that represent us, that represent the club, that represent the Premier League, that represent the PFA, that represent the FA. So you've got all these different people talking and saying, what's right, what's best for you, what's best for football, what's best for X, Y and Z. And you get in this cloud and you're in this bubble and you're thinking, right, like, and then you just take on the professional advice, and you think what's the best thing for for everyone concerned, because you don't want to be selfish in this situation. And you end up being quiet, staying in the background, and hoping that it plays out the way that you think that it, when like it should. If anyone looks at the situation, it should play out a certain way because you should think the facts are there for people to see. So it will just happen. So what are you and John Terry good now? No, no. So, but. The problem is, is that we have, we done it from a pure heart point of view. Our hearts are pure in this situation. So, but not everyone's like that. And when your heart's pure and you don't speak, you get punished. I've worked that out now. You get you get you're the ones who get punished, and you're the ones who get tarnished, and you're the ones who get labelled. And whether that's because you're you don't speak, whether because you're black, whether it's because you're I don't know, but I just think it's. Now, I would speak straight away. My brother, I would say, speak, speak, speak. speak. Big up, big up. Mm. So, and then it's the same even with my drug test. I didn't speak. I was told not to, don't speak, because it will affect your case, it will affect your case. If I had the time now, I would speak, because I know there's people out there probably think, oh, you you must have done something. But, if I had spoken, I don't think there'd be anyone with doubts now. But I've left it to the powers that be to, to, to use their common sense with the situation, but they, they didn't because there was people that had done the same as me, almost exactly identical to me, only months prior, and there was people that had done much far worse than me, that didn't even get banned, let alone quarter of a million pound fines. So I was like, wow, they just these people are just using me like a scapegoat. So yeah, like, and that's why I always pick up Raheem and anyone now where I think. They're, they've got the platform now, and it's different now as well. You have to remember, you've got social media. So, mm. like, you've got a platform now where, if Raheem wants to speak, or anyone wants to speak on a situation, they've got a huge platform of voice to speak from so they can get their points across. It's not a reporter then interpreting what they've said or anything, so it can get grey areas or, 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 or picked apart. No, no, no. I'm speaking. This is my mouth bank. There's to to deal with. So, And you can address situations where that didn't happen before. But yeah, I think with experience, I would definitely not speak up.
2: Yeah, so what I wanted to ask is, do you think there should be some sort of like BAME union to represent, you know, maybe all the ethnic minority groups going forward to create power that way? Mm,
3: See, I don't know, man. We have this debate and we have a couple of WhatsApp groups with all my friends, man. So this is when this gets, type of thing gets brought up a fair bit. I understand some people's need for it, but I don't like segregation. Mm-hmm. I don't like, like the problem with racism and stuff like that. It is part, part of that is segregating people and I don't like it. So I would rather like Raheem like, and, and other players that they reach out to people like myself to other players in the game and say listen you've had the experience where could we go with this what should we do because i understand that i just think it creates another barrier do you know what i mean it's hard listen i understand the pros for it but i also understand that there's there, there's negative side to these situations as well but anything that creates segregation i don't like it i just i just would rather steer away from segregation i want to be inclusive where if if, if if a white boy's got a problem I want him to be able to come to to talk. Do you know what I mean, if you've got a, a situation where you've got a, a union over there that's for black players only, well, what, if there's a black a white player over there, not a problem. We, he should be able to come and talk as well. Yeah. I mean, and come to the table. So I I, I think it should be a more open minded union that's put together. And I, I, I and the problem is is that the that when there's these offences that have been done, the the actual kind of Punishments of just being laughable and comical, and that's where the people become a little bit like disillusioned and stuff. So, one sec. Thanks. Sorry, there's no missus. No worries. Well, <laughs> no problem. We said, no.
2: said hi as well. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was asking what I want for lunch. Um, yeah. So, like, I don't know. The, the, the race. The, the race. I think the players just. They need What happened, I think the, the actual PFA and the Premier League need to, to, to find some, something in them, in their systems, in their unions, in their organisations where players can feel confident to go there, that they're going to get looked after properly and the situation is going to be dealt with properly. I think far too often that's not happening.
2: Yes, so Rio, we've seen the class of 92 link up with Peter Lim, you know, by Salford City. Mm. and you know, have relative success bringing them from the non-leagues to league football. Is football ownership like a step that you see yourself going down maybe sometime in the future? Maybe you know, acquiring Dalich Hamlet?
3: <laughs> 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 I'd them guys would sell. They've had problems, aren't they, selling? They, they, they won't sell, man. So, but um, yeah, I think in, in, in the future, I think right now I'm busy with a good few things, but in the future, that's something that I would look at. I've had an opportunity to be involved with an American team in terms of a franchise, but the timing was wrong. Um, but yeah, I think it's 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 an interesting area, man. I mean, listen, it's, you have to be all in that situation if you're going to go and do it. You can't be having think, hands in other pies too much. Um, but and you need a good team around you. I think the guys, the class ninety two, have got a good team around them at the moment. Seems like they're doing really well. So good luck to them. Fair,
4: fair play. Um... Now, on the topic of uh, haircuts and hairstyles, Rio, you, um, you certainly uh, walked so that uh, someone like Paul Pogba could run. In your day, you, you, you had the one-level trim, you had the, the dreads, you had the afro, you had the, the plaits and all the rest of it. Mm. Um, and what we see um, in, in the media now, you know, is, is, is someone like Paul Pogba who, who is quite expressive with the way he dresses, with his hairstyles and whatnot. Um, he's often criticised, you know, uh, uh, Graham Souness, Danny Mills, have, uh, amongst others, have, have, have come out and criticised him um, because of it. Do, do you feel that the criticism he's received is is fair?
3: Boy, he ain't <laughs> even played football this year. <laughs> like, I don't know how his name's in people's like, He hasn't even played football. <laughs> I don't understand it. Like, why are you chatting right. about Paul Pogba? Like, yeah. he didn't play this season, really. So... He, he he shouldn't be in the conversation, like I don't understand. Yeah, he's a great player, huge profile. I understand all that, yeah. But he's been he's being judged or made the villain in the this in this season that he's played really no part in. So I don't I don't get it. And I mean, obviously Graham Soonitz made a, a statement about putting medals on the table. Royalistic maori has got a World Cup medal winners' medal. Mm-hmm.
5: Obviously, I think they think his career started when he was at Man United or something. Yeah, he it? won
3: three or four like scudettos in England, right? he's yeah, got, Italy. Like, he's, he's won stuff. So I know listen, Graham Soonis is a great player and he's won a lot of stuff. But listen, and, and my generation, and even worse for Graham Soonis and all them guys' generation, they got to understand that these players don't look at them. Sometimes they don't understand. They don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. Like for, for Paul Pogba to say he don't know who he is, I wouldn't know him as a footballer. I believe that. Like it's not disrespectful. He don't know him. Mm-hmm. As great a player as Soonis was, he was a top player, one of the best. If he was talking about the best British midfielders we've ever produced, he's in the conversation. Hundred percent. Graham Soonish is a bad player, <laughs> but Paul Pogba don't know him. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. And that's just The difference of generations. So he won't. I don't think it's disrespectful. But listen. If I was Paul Pogba, I'd said the same thing, but I would have said it from a disrespectful standpoint because I've been saying you've been dissing me all this time. i have not kicked the ball. Why are you talking about me for? <laughs> so, and I listen, and I'm honest with you about, about Paul because I, I and I love Paul because he's a great kid. I've known him since he was a young boy, and I still chat to him now. But that like, the only problem I have with Paul is that I just think he should chat instead of his agent chatting. If he'd done that, there'd be more clarity on the whole situation. So, have you told him that, Rio? Yeah, I spoke to him about all that type of stuff, but. Paul's his own man, and going to deal with it his own way and I respect that, that's fine. So, that's the only thing I'd say but, and then, would Paul be, would Paul want it to, to do more in a main United shirt in terms of performances? I'm sure he would. Listen, this kid's an absolute professional, desperate to be the best player in the world. He wants to be that. That Don't ever get that twisted but, these guys are like talking about him like he's some like fairground player or person who wants to just, just because, listen, it's taken me time to adjust, yeah? But, I used to find it hard to see players smiling in the tunnel or players like dancing in the changing room or dancing uh, if if they're not in if they're injured and they're out dancing somewhere like Paul was these guys are going mad about it like he should be in his home hibernating not doing anything in his life like his life's got to stop like no it's not like that everyone's different I wouldn't I probably wouldn't have been doing what what Paul's doing but I understand what he's doing because that's taking his mind off being injured. That's just doing other stuff. It's getting his mind from being in a depressive state. I know players that just shut themselves off once they were injured. They've become depressed. Louis Saha, depressed, scared to talk to anyone about anything. Do you want Do you want someone like that to be like that or do you want them to still have their personality, still remain on top of the world and thinking, Look, I can't wait to get back and bubbly and stuff? I'd rather that, I'd rather what Paul's doing. You may not like seeing that, but that's, that's him. That's his life. You can't control that. That's wrong.
5: Rio, there's been, you know, reports um, emanating that, you know, Phil Neville is going to, you know, step down as the women's um, England national team manager. Would you be interested in that role? Or is that something that will interest you? No.
3: No. I'm not. I, don't, I wouldn't be a manager in, my, in the men's game, let alone the women's game. So, not right now. It, don't, it wouldn't suit my lifestyle. Mm.
2: Okay, so Rio, what I wanted to do is, you know, take this conversation to England. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about the golden generation, not gelling the cliques and stuff like that. But I want to dial into the moment where, you know, in South Africa, when you had that collision with Emil Heskey, which ruled you out of the you know World Cup when you were set to captain it. Captain England, should I say. So how was that moment?
3: Well, it's one of its like
2: Is that your biggest low point?
3: one of yeah like because obviously like it's a big thing captain in a country to the to the world cup like that's like that's dream stuff man um and yeah i, I just remember when it happened i just laid there straight away i knew i just knew because I, I never had injuries really until that point i just knew them straight away that's it i got in i remember getting in the ambulance and The guy was there, man was asking me for my shirt and everything. I was thinking, bro, I'm not going to play in the World Cup when you're asking me about my shirt and all grass and stuff like that. I said, listen. And then I just said to the, when I got there and I said to the the operating um, surgeon, I said, listen, is that, what do you think when you see the scan? And he just shook his head. He said you haven't got time to get back and I was just that was just, I was just broken man but I know I, it wasn't a good thing but something happened at that moment you know I was sitting in the in the A&E area in South Africa in this hospital with the, with the team doctor and I was obviously like depressed like emotional just thinking like my life's over and then someone come through on a big um, bed rushing and rushing all these medics come through and the guy was more or less like dying on this bed and it kind of put things into perspective. Mm-hmm. I just thought, You know what? I'm alive, man. I'm just like it's a disappointment. That's it. It's no bigger than that. So, um, yeah, that was a that was a mad one. And Emil, man, even with his big self, just fell on.
4: <laughs> Fair point. Um, next question I wanted to ask Rio is. Um, you know when we put out the tweet and we were asking for listeners' questions. Mm. Um, one very very common question um, that we had was um, something to do with um, your partnership with um, with Village. Um, and I guess I wanted to ask. So this is also like a, a like a two part question, um, because one on on one hand people were asking like what was it about your partnership that clicked so well. Why did you guys uh, uh, form such a formidable partnership? Um, but two, I think there was load of, loads of uh, Liverpool uh, fans who, uh, who, who came in with this question. And it was always about um, playing against Fernando Torres. Of course, I imagine you've been asked this question quite, quite a few times.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and I think it was, it was Gerard when he um, caught up with uh, Phil Neville, and it was and he was speaking about playing against United back in the day, and 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 they spoke about, he spoke about um, focusing on Vidic because they um, you know they felt that he was the, the weaker link to us to some degree. So mm-hmm. did you guys you and Vidic ever have conversations around that about how you would negate um, that that tactic for, uh, deployed by Liverpool?
3: First of all, it's the best partnership ever in Premier League. <laughs> trust me. <laughs>
4: Right. Yeah, so we had Sylvan Distan on,
2: and he said exactly the same thing. Yeah, used to look at you two and think, if I could reach that level, then I would have done myself proud.
3: Listen, like the strikers are playing out on the wing sometimes because they didn't want to come against us, it was mad. <laughs> it was, um, sometimes you get against like there's always going to be that one player in your career who's difficult. He might not be the best player on the planet, yeah, but he's just his style is made to hurt your style. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And Torres might have just been that for, for Nemanja, that he's someone he found difficult um, to play against. Um, and he's probably the only player who I've seen consistently give Vida a hard time. Um, and he got sent off in a couple of the games, didn't he? Like, early on in the games. Um, but, I don't know, Torres and Torres is a great player. He was, like, in his pomp when he Liverpool. He's one of the best strikers about. He was, like, a devastating striker. Um, But with me 1v1 He he didn't cause me No problems really If I'm honest But It's just That's the way it is Like one of my hardest strikers To play against When people ask me Other than the ones That are obvious Like the Ronaldos Or the Messis etc Kevin Davis You would never expect that He was always tough To play against me Always caused me Most problems Like He always was physical Was just Just obstructing you All the time The ball might be over there But he's grabbing you And all this stuff Like so there's different, you would never expect that. So Torres was, would have been that for Nemanja, probably. So, um, But we never really spoke about it. It's mad. Our relationship, we, we we spent a lot of time with each other after training, in and around the training ground, just chatting about loads of stuff here. But it wasn't about our relationship on the pitch. It wasn't like, you know, when you go tight with, with Suarez, I'm going to be behind covering. And it was nothing like that. I never spoke like that at all. But our relationship was just like, you just, I could. It was just, I don't know. It was just something in the air that I knew he was going to go there. If he went there, I was here. If I went there, he was there. Do you know what I mean? So, and that's the way in getting in partnerships in the game are not necessarily built just on the training pitch. I think it's just sometimes it's just it's just you're blessed that someone just come into your life at that time and you manage to be able to be at the same time and it's just come together just like that. And that's what we had, man. And, as I said to you, like, I just I could see sometimes in the tunnel strikers right, looking at me or looking at Vida and thinking, mm, I don't know if I'm going to play right up against them too. i I'm going to go out wide and try to bring some balls out there or go deep go and play in the midfield area. So it was, and that's a nice feeling. But at the same time, because I used to want to play football and play, 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 I used to come off. If you got to speak to in village. he used to laugh at me sometimes I used to be going mad in the tunnel. This is rubbish, man. We're, he said, what's wrong here? We just won 3-0. So I didn't touch the ball. <laughs> it's a good game for us. I said, no, I want the ball, man. I want to pass. I'm getting involved. But that's how it was sometimes. And again, like, people talk about partnerships in the Premier League. I, I, I don't see another partnership coming close to our partnership.
5: Rio, if you had to put on your non bias hat... Um... I want what's, to, what's your thoughts on Virgil van Dijk? Because I want you to, would you say he's a similar player to how you were? He loves having the ball and obviously he's also a great 1v1 defender and he has the pace, you know, and just the ability to do whatever he wants on the football pitch. Yeah. How highly do you rate him? One, and if you had to rank your top five centre-backs, excluding yourself in Premier League history, who would the five be?
3: Yeah, I think he's. I love him. I think he's the best in the world right now. He's like, he's like undoubtedly. I think he's a top player. I think he's not fighting against the, the the depth of other central defenders that was probably in my era. If if we were talking about top top draw centre halves, I could name five, six, seven, eight, nine in my era where I can only name not even. I don't think I fill up like my hand in this era at the moment. So, and that's no disrespect, but I'm talking like the top players. So, like, I think he's. I think in any area, he looks a top player. Um, The only thing I would like is, it's very different. The game's a bit different now. I would like to see him playing against two strikers, up against two players, and having to do 1v1 all the way for 90 minutes, back week to week. Do you know what I mean? Like, for instance, are you looking like when I was playing, you're playing against, like, you're always, like, Two strikers all the time. Do you know what I mean? A lot of the time you play against two strikers or a striker with one off just dropping behind all the time. Whereas now you've got one striker and you've got two wide, the fullbacks take care of the wide man and you've got two of you in the middle taking care of one player. So you get time to breathe, you get time to relax a little bit, you get time to let your partner handle him for a bit, etc. So it's it's different. I'd love to see him in that environment, Um, but I think he'd handle it still. Um, but I'd just be interested to see him handle that at a top level like that. It'd be good. Um, but I think in any era, he stands tall amongst them players. And I think that if I was naming a top five centre halves, I think Vidic, Company, Terry, Van Dyke, Campbell. they would be my five probably. Who's on oh, there? Ledley King, but he had these mm-hmm. injury problems. Ledley. It's like if but some maybes, isn't it? If Ledley was fit, who knows what would happen, but on ability, he was up there with anyone. He was like a top player, top, 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 top player. But like it's just unfortunate with injuries, man. So you can't put him in that category when the injuries have kind of did like killed his career a little bit.
2: What about Keon as
3: well?
5: Yapstan, Y-Y- he was putting people Ooh, on the floor.
3: Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Yap's, in Yap's in there. I forgot, I forgot, Yap's in there. So I don't know who's coming out. I can't. can't Yeah. Yeah, so
2: Rio, like assessing the state of the game, obviously you played in some top, top quality games, high tempo, high intensity. When you look at this current generation or this current crop of players, how do you match up the two generations? Do you think your standard was better or this standard was better?
3: I think the game's quicker now. I think defending was better back then, definitely. But the attacking now is is easily on a par, if not better, Um, in terms of, like, it's devastating now, man. Especially when you look at Champions League as well. Like, it's a chance goal most of the time. Um, But I don't like to compare eras, really. It's difficult to do that, you know what I mean? But I don't know, man. If you look at it, I will ask you that question. Are the strikers better now? Or the strikers better then. now? Let's go through it. If you if you look in the strikers now, you've got Aguero, Aubameyang, Kane, um, Salah, Mane, Firmino, Son, mm-hmm. etc. Mm. Who else?
5: Suarez. Suarez.
3: Like, I'm talking Premier League right now, yeah. Okay, and mm. then and then you've got like back in, say, my time, you've got like Drogba, Van Persie, Henri, Burkamp, um, Cole, York Scholzka, Sheridan, like Shearer, Robbie Fowler, like I can go on. Like there's even more. I think the depth before there's a lot more depth in terms of the top strikers. Like you look at the England squad now, and you look at the England squad from before. If you were to name the strikers, they read off a bit quicker in my area than they do now in terms of top top quality. Okay. So it's just a difference. I think there's more. There's more. There was more volume before, but there's still class now.
5: I think another question that we had was how, what's been difficult about the transition from going from a player to a pundit? Because, you know, at times pundits can be rash and criticise players for performances without knowing what's happening in their private life. So what's been the biggest difficulty transitioning from being a player to a pundit? And do you feel that because you were a player, you have that empathy with players when they're not playing well?
3: Yeah, I feel I've got that empathy, but I feel like I just have to be honest. Like, I've got to say what I see. Like, as long as I'm not being vindictive and I'm not being personal to some to a player, I, I feel very comfortable saying if they've played bad or not. I think it's, that's all I'm there to do. I'm not there to talk about, like, anything else, really. I'm there to say, what what's happening in the 90 minutes? Or if there's other stories that have come out, I can draw opinions on it. But I'm never going to be personal to somebody Um like I spoke about Lingard and Pogba before dancing that. I'm not being personal. That's just not my taste. That's what I said at the time. Yeah. So, but it's not personal. Nothing's ever personal with me. Like it's always like, if they've not been good enough, I always think about it when I was a player. yeah, If I saw a pundit hammering me, I would have known before that man speaking, if I've been good or bad. So no, there ain't nothing you can say about my performance. Yeah. Unless he's getting personal, that's really going to hurt me. And that's how I think about being a pundit. I ain't going to say nothing personal, but I'm going to tell you if you've done something wrong. And you should be man enough to go, you know what? Well, I knew that anyway, and I accept that, because that's normal.
4: Fair, fair play. Um, Ria, I wanted to ask you a quick question. And um, essentially, it, it's off the back of the fact that players' salaries in this day and age are always in the, in the press and in the media in some way, shape, or form, right? Um, of course, most recently, as um, in response to the COVID nineteen situation and 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 uh, the support and help that um, the NHS needs. And I, what I wanted to ask you is, um, if you were playing in this day and age, do you think you would have um, been as motivated and as determined and as focused as you had been previously, uh, if you were earning? those sort of wages that we see players earning now early in your career. And we also see like the commercial aspect of of players' careers uh, play more and more importance now um, with players having to sort of build their brands off the the pitch as well. Um, So of course, some people will argue and say that it's a bit of a distraction. But if you were playing in this day and age, do you think both the whole commercial aspect of, of your brand um, and and the, the 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 kind of salaries that players are earning now would have stopped you from you know being as focused as, as you were in your time? I
3: earned a lot of money, so I was lucky, yeah. But it's like, I didn't play football. When I was on my estate, on Friary Estate, I didn't play football. I started playing football for money. I played because I loved football. Mm. I would have played for nothing anyway. I was just lucky. This profession I loved paid big money. So I was lucky in that sense. And no matter how much I earned... That didn't really, like, that wasn't my marker as how good of a player I am. It was all it was just about working hard and playing and trying to get to goals that I set myself. And the money will just, it will, it will come, it's fine. And then I can do what I want with, like, helping my family and stuff. But it wasn't, the motivation for me wasn't financial. It wasn't about money. Um, and I just I, I just thought, if I play well, the money will come anyway. So that was just all the focus was on football, where... Like we're in a different climate today. It's different with social media, what these kids see now. Like, I didn't see John Barnes and Ian Wright's cars and his home life and what his house looked like. And the, for me to start wanting that, I just saw what he was doing on a football pitch during the 90 minutes, and that's what I wanted to be like. So it's very different. So I get why some of these kids have just walked with, like, all of the, the materialistic things and what it's about, and that's their obsession. But they've got to try and steer away from that because that will be their that store will trip them up in the end and we'll stop them getting to their target if they focus too much on what's there rather than what's going to get them there. Um, but in terms of the commercial side of it, like, I'm very much of the, the, the thinking when I played social media was just coming in and like, I waited till I was winning and I waited till I was very comfortable and confident that I knew training what I needed to do, rest what I needed to do, recovery what I needed to do. So that if, I was doing commercial activities and, and doing a lot of commercial stuff here and there that if someone questioned me or the manager or the ceo comes to me and said what are you doing this for work i could comfortably say i train as well as anyone i'm never injured i'm always always um my, i'm consistent in my performance we're winning like, there's no problem mm. I, I just i i get a little bit not annoyed but i feel whoa listen slow down when you've got the young guys that's trying to run before they can walk. They're not even regulars in their team. Like, and they're trying to do big commercial, this, that, and the other. And I think, listen, your focus shouldn't be there yet. That's mm-hmm. going to come. Wait till you're, you're, you're seasoned a little bit. There's a bit too many unseasoned people doing stuff that I think it's, you don't need to do that. Yeah, so
2: Rio, I wanted to you know, go back to your Man United days or the current Man United days, should I say. There's a player, Marcus Rashford. I remember at a stage, people were comparing him to Mbappe. The Novity Mbappe shot to you know superstardom, and Rashford had his own little setbacks, and now we're sort of catching up, and we've seen him under Oli this season putting in some devastating performances. How good can this guy be?
3: Rashford could be like, they the best hundred percent because he's just got mad talent. He's just a, a, from a kid I've seen him play, um, whether it was up front or wide or drifting about, he's always had mad talent, and May United within the corridors of Man United, they've always known. Um, it's whether you can translate that to being in the first team and he's shown that you can do that it's just what he needs now he's just been unfortunate he's, he's in a team that's been in transition for every ever since he's been in the first team so it's very different to say Mbappe coming into a Paris Saint-Germain team that's going to win every year he's fighting for trophies on all fronts so the confidence levels are there there's not no finding out period with any of their players, they're a consistent, well-oiled machine in their league. So, it's very different. And that league's not as hard either, but Mbappe's, like, major, major. So, yeah. <laughs> but Rashford, I just think that if it seemed like Oli was getting the consistency in the squad, and that was when he weren't playing, which was the disappointing part. So... Fingers crossed, things get back to normal, where he can come back into some consistency, and they can start trying to really get back to the heights of Man United right before. And then I think we see even more out of Marcus, because if I'm Man United, I'm building it all round him.
2: So what do you think about Bruno Fernandes as well? He's coming, you know, he's put in some consistent performances. We were speaking to Flex, and he said he watches the games and he sees him up close and personal, pointing to play, saying, "No, you go there. I'm going to play this ball over top." Over the top, make sure you're there. So, what do you think about the contribution he's brought to this Man United team? And do you think he's someone looking from the outside that could have hung with your team back in your day?
3: Um, I think for Rashford, I think he's perfect. I think Rashford cries out for someone like that. I think Pogba at times has shown it with when they that little telepathy where he gets the ball, we don't even have to look. Rashford's running, and they've like I was talking about relationships before. If Rashford and, and uh, Bruno Fernandes can build that relationship where once the ball, they win the ball back, Marcus just gets on his bike and, and Fernandes will find him. Um, if that starts getting going, then God help any defender like <laughs> that. But, um, yeah, listen, I think it's too early to start judging Bruno on could he play in different areas of Man United's great teams. I think it's too early. Let him breathe and let him play and then let's see after a year, another year or two.
5: Rio, we obviously, we're going through a global crisis at the moment and you know the the hierarchy at man united have come, come under a lot of criticism i mean ed woodward and matt judge they're being heavily criticized for you know focusing on the commercial element of things but do you think in a situation like this this is where ed woodward and matt judge should be praised and they've put man united in a strong strong position um, and they're doing well financially also who would be the three players that you think Man United should sign in the summer?
3: Yeah, I think they've dealt with the whole COVID situation um, better than most. Uh, Manchester United, I think they haven't done any, anything knee-jerk. Um, they've held their own council and then they've made decisions that within the walls of Manchester United and not been pressurised by no one else, which is good. Um, and I think Woodward and my judge need to be definitely commended for that. Um, and, yeah, financially, Man United are in a stronger position than most, again, because of the way that the is structured. Um, but if Man United were going to buy three players, I think he, every week this changes. Do you know what I mean? It's mad. But um, if I was going to buy three, I'd definitely buy Sancho. Could you imagine Sancho in that team, yeah, with, like, I don't know, like, he draws two or three players to him, and then Rashford's playing 1v1. Oh, God, it's over. Um I would I would maybe go and get Partey from Atletico Madrid Ooh, yeah. or, or Ndidi from Leicester. Um I like Sal Niguez. He's a very very good player in midfield. And then I think a centre back, I do think they they still need a centre back. Um whether you go for a young one like a Ben Godfrey or you go for someone like Koulibaly. I don't
2: know, it's difficult. Yeah, so Rio, um, obviously, we're going through this global crisis, as Dot said. There's been talks about how this season should be ended. We've seen in the National League, you know, they've cancelled it. This Premier League season, how should it be resolved, in your
5: opinion? Yeah, we've end it. No, no, no. You know what? It's not going <laughs> difficult.
3: Seriously, people think that when I said that, that's what it was about. I, I was just saying this is bigger than football. 100%. Like there's people dying, like, and and we're worrying about like the league finishing and ending, uh, and should it stay on or, or is it because of our rivalry with Liverpool? Why I'm saying I'm not I'm not saying it because I'm saying it for one reason that like, we have to think about people's safety before anything. So if people's safety are going to be in jeopardy at any point, then you've got to just say, listen, whoever's winning or whoever's losing, whatever's going on, this has got to just be folded until next season. So that's, that's been my standpoint. If the situation starts um, getting better for everybody and the, 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 the virus starts declining, then, yeah, 100% the season should get up and going when it's right. But at the moment, I don't see a way where the season can really get going again. I, I just can't because the National League have made that decision. Um, and listen, they wouldn't have done that without holding council, without talking, without having dialogue with the right people to make that decision, I think it's going to probably have a knock-on effect it will come later. And I think that the higher leagues go higher will probably at some point end up having to do the same if the situation doesn't improve as quick as we would like. Because I'm a football fan. I want to see it finish. I'd like to see the season finish. I don't want this not to finish, but again, this is a bigger situation than just football.
2: So what's the talk at BT? Are they preparing to you know, air the rest of the Premier League? Or are they sort of airing on the side of caution, thinking, you know what, the season might have to get scrapped?
3: Listen, I, I, BT, uh, a great company, and, and they'll, they'll want to be doing what's best for the country in turn, as a whole rather than thinking about themselves or football. Football is um, definitely way down on the list in terms of priorities for everybody, I think, at the moment. I just think it's like it's a great thing where we're talking like this. It keeps our minds off of the serious situation sometimes, and it's great. We all love the game and talking about it. it keeps everyone connected. But... When it comes to what's going to happen, I think BT will be very much guided by the government and the the powers that be within football.
5: I'm Rio. Sorry, last one for me. Very quickly, I think we know how serious the situation is, and we fully understand. But I think people's um, you know, people saying that the league should end, they're saying how can you be focusing on next season when this season ain't finished? So whether it takes six months to finish off this season. That will be it. And then we focus on next season.
3: Yeah, there's there's different ways to do this, isn't it? There's gonna be I think that's that's the that's the question, and that's why the powers that be need to get around the table and come to that decision. I think is, but I think then decisions can only start being made when they know when the actual virus is starting to come on and decline. When they've got the virus under control, then they, they can have these conversations. Actually let's finish the season, delay next season, or vice versa. So it can be cut up and chopped up different ways. I think mm-hmm. we have just got to play the waiting game.
4: Fair play, and uh, Rio. Just obviously to to, to wrap up. Um, of course, we've got to ask the question: um, What what's next for you? You know, we you know that you've 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 done your coaching badges at the moment. You're doing some work with uh, with, with BT Sport and 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 also as part of um, B, uh, BT's 433 initiative. Uh, which is obviously uh, aiming to bring more women, young people and uh, disadvantaged people into the game. Um, I know you also do a bit of mentorship uh, uh, and that kind of thing as well. Um, and, and, you know, naturally, as you mentioned at the start of the interview as well, you've got your, your kids to look after and, and you, you know, you've got a very, very busy life at, at the moment. Um, what, what is next for you? Have, you? have you thought about it? You know, the next, what the next sort of five or ten years looks like in, in the life of uh, Rio Ferdinand?
3: Um, not really. I think just continue in doing what I'm doing at the moment. I mean, my them plans could change. I think um, fitness is something that I'm really into at the moment, and like health and well-being, I think is huge, especially under these current kind of circumstances. I think the health and well-being, mental state of mind as well, is a huge thing to kind of get people in the right frame of mind, the right body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's it's I'm I'm kind of open. I, I I love my role in the game at the moment because I'm still in it. I'm doing what we're doing now all the time, chatting to people about football, which is what I'd do if I weren't on BT anyway. So, But again, like my current personal situation, the way things have panned out, um, my, my wife and kids are really the focal point of yeah. what I do.
2: Yeah, so Rio, just final one from me. Obviously, there's three golden players in the generation of England. You know, the central midfielders, Gerrard, Lampard and Scholes. I know you might have a vested interest <laughs> in Scholes, so I'm going to narrow it down to two I know you're cool with them both but Gerard or Lampard
3: hard man if I wanted to, win, if I wanted to go and win a game I don't know man it's hard isn't it <laughs> you know what if, 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 if I was a fan going to watch a game I'd pay to watch Gerard. if I was a manager I'd probably pick Lampard Lampard gets me 20 goals a season every year. I think he'd done that for like five or six, seven years. 20 goals from midfield a season. Ain't ever been seen before. Won't be seen again. <laughs> you know I mean? But then, then even Gerrard was like, Roy the Rovers, when it mattered in the big games, he just popped up and scored and dragged his team over the line. So there's great arguments for both players, man. They're both great. They should have been able to play together for England.
5: Yeah, really. That's, I Yo, guess big up yourself, man Big up, big, big,
4: up, big up up. have hour on, 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 on that topic in itself
5: Yeah, <laughs> no, I know yeah. <laughs> no, no, Rio, big up yourself, man it's, it's been an absolute privilege And we will love to do this in person We were meant to do it in person oh, no. Obviously yeah. this pandemic took <laughs> yeah.
2: Rio, this was meant to be like 100th
5: F, but because of everything that's going on mm-hmm. We
2: decided to, you know, push it forward So hopefully we can meet up in person And do it again And I'll keep yeah. in touch with you as well, yeah?
3: All right, yeah. definitely, definitely. When it's
2: over, we chat again. Yeah, yeah man,
5: Rio, oh,
3: love. Thank you very much for your love, time. God. Good luck, man. Good luck, guys. Send me the details, yeah, for that. To, like, push it out there
5: and stuff. Oh, big up, no. Real man. So, you know, love, 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 love. Love, man. Take care. Take well. care,
4: Rio, bro. Bye. Uh, All right, listeners. There you have it. Uh, you heard from the man himself. We're going to call it a day there. Thank you very much for listening in and viewing in up until this point in time. Uh, a reminder that if you not if you've not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel make sure you do yeah like this, episode said, bunch. this episode but this episode is we told you we're gonna be bringing out <laughs> content on the youtube channel for you to stay occupied and keep yourself busy over this period of time so if you haven't yet listened and heeded my advice I'd say do so right now subscribe the you the beautiful game podcast. Uh, make sure you uh you, you watch these visual, visuals and there's still more coming. Watch yeah. this space.
5: Yeah, but mad- I, I think this episode is gonna go on YouTube before any other platform. So that's the trick
4: so so no,
2: we're probably so gonna no do like a movie. premiere for it. We'll do a premiere so everyone can enjoy it together because you know the gems that Rio was dropping were absolutely crazy. And I think this
4: episode should be, you know, our flagship. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I certainly echo that sentiment, Dej. Um, Also, just a reminder before we uh, sign off, if you're not yet following us on Twitter, please make sure you do at podcast underscore TVG. You can also follow us on Instagram at pod underscore TVG. And we already mentioned that we're going to be launching this on YouTube first, but then we're going to follow up with all of the other platforms that we usually put our content out on. So you can listen to the episodes on Spotify, SoundCloud and on Apple Podcasts as well. And as ever, if you are listening in on Apple Podcasts, please make sure you leave a five-star review so you can help us continue to move our platform and product forward. We really, really appreciate you guys. And thank you so much for all of your questions um and and for listening in honestly guys if we had enough time we would have asked um asked all of the questions that you guys sent in of course um given the fact that we were strapped for time we couldn't answer um or ask all of them so just wanted to apologize um to you guys on um on behalf of the whole team for that but stay tuned stay locked bigger bigger and better things coming dot am i am i all good
5: yeah, yo, all good, bro. We had real fair than man. You see that? Oh man! Guess, man. Oh, I'm just crazy. yeah, it's mad. Crazy,
4: right? We're gonna leave it there, then, guys. Until the next episode, over and out.